I want to start out with a very uh, theological question for you, a very deep question that has a, a lot of meaning in it, but uh, I need to know how many of you have houseplants at home? I want to see your hands. How many of have houseplants? Okay. So here's the, here's the deep question. How many of you have houseplants that live at home? There's quite a few, few less people. Um, my mom does a great job of taking care of houseplants. If it were up to Carol and I, we operate a houseplant hospice center. And uh, they, they go there just to quietly not exist anymore. So apparently, uh, the environment that you are in makes a, makes a difference. If you are a houseplant, you don't want to live in our environment. It's not uh, conducive to a great houseplant life, right? There's a verse in the Bible that basically says the same thing. It's in Psalm 92, verse 13. It's in your uh, bulletin, in your handout today, those sermon notes. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. So if you get yourself in the right environment, good things should happen. And that means that if you find yourself in a bad environment, then the opposite is probably going to be true. Uh, when I was growing up, my grandparents lived in Phoenix, Arizona. And there was a trip that my dad and I took to visit them one summer. Yes, you heard that right, Phoenix in summer. It was 118 degrees that summer in Phoenix. And, and I already know, you already know what people are going to say as soon as we got back and we said it was 118 degrees. They said, well, at least it was a whatever. 118 degrees is 118 degrees, whether or not there's any humidity there at all. And it was miserable. And nobody in their right mind uh, was outside in that heat. And the worst part is you had to drive different places. And so you had to get back in your car. Now, you think that a car is hot here in the Midwest on a summer day. I looked this up because somebody keeps track of this. In Arizona, if it's 118 degrees, the inside of your car is almost 170 degrees. 170 degrees. Nobody in their right mind is outside. And nobody in their right mind should have left a can of Coke in the back seat when they were visiting their grandparents. Bad things happened to cans of Coke in extreme heat. <laughs> and it was, yes, it was everywhere. And as bad as that was, there are places, even in our own country in the United States, that are even worse than Phoenix, Arizona. There's a place not far from Arizona called Death Valley. It's called that because if you went there, you wish you were dead. And it's the hottest, it's the driest place in America. Nothing grows there because there's no rain and it's so hot. This is what Death Valley looks like. All right, so there's a picture of Death Valley. But every once in a while, 
uh, something amazing happens. This has happened uh, in the past, but most recently in 2005, 2016, and then again in 2023. See, during those winter times in Death Valley, which really isn't a winter, but it's that rainy, rainy part of the, the desert. During those years, a large amount of rain has fallen. In 2004, seven inches of rain fell. In 2015, two inches fell in one day. It caused flooding, yes, but it also caused something else. Put the next picture on the screen. This is Death Valley after a record-breaking rain. See, it turns out that Death Valley isn't dead. Death Valley is just dormant. So right beneath the surface of the ground, there are actually seeds of potential. They just needed the right environment for great things to happen. There's another view of Death Valley that I want you to see called the Death Valley Super Bloom. This is Death Valley. Now, I may be biased here, but I think that we have a pretty good environment for good things to happen here at your church, here at PFN. I heard one amen. Thank you, Gloria. So, <laughs> now we aren't perfect. We're, we're learning. We're, uh, PFN is an open door to know Jesus, to value others, and to find your purpose. And so it's our job here at PFN to point you towards the the right path and to provide you with the right environment so that you can grow in the Lord. There's another verse I want you to see this morning, Psalm 16, verse 11. And it says this, you, God, make known to me the path of life and you fill me with joy in your presence. So in other words, when, when I see the path, the path that God is taking me on, the, the path that I get to walk with Jesus, that journey with Jesus, there's going to be joy in his presence. But here's where a lot of people are living. I think a lot of people know that following Jesus would be beneficial, but a lot of people still choose their own path. They walk on their own path. Even those Um, that don't know him as savior yet. I think there's something just about the personhood of Jesus that attracts them even to the people that are against organized religion. See, chances are, if you were to interview someone that is against Christianity, they don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with Christians. And so it's our job. It is our job, our job, not just the the staff here at PFN, but for all of us to be guides for everyone else on their journey with Jesus. I remember one time that Carol and I went to Orlando on a vacation together, and we went to the animal kingdom. If you've been there, part of that experience, you have to go on the African safari, right? You have to go on that. And if you've ever been to, not just there, but any theme park guided tour, you know what it's like, right? You have a guide that sits up front and they're full of corny jokes and overacting and all that kind of stuff. Well, as you're 
pastor, as one of your pastors here at PFN, you could say that we are spiritual guides for you. And the good news is a lot of us even come with corny jokes. <laughs> See, I could go through all of our pastors here on staff and share with you the particular journey that that pastor is skilled and talented in order to take you through it. We're not, we don't all have the same gifts. For example, Pastor Callie is, is very skilled in connecting with you and, and doing life together. And what she really flourishes is when she sees people connect with one another outside of the church. See, we have a life outside of this church as well, and Pastor Callie is super good at, at uh, guiding people there. I could uh, mention Pastor Shauna. She's your children's guide. She and her team do so much more than provide babysitting so you can come in here and, and worship. They're doing uh, great work right as we are speaking. And she is guiding your kids, your children, your grandchildren into a deeper walk with Jesus. And, and if you were to talk to her, I know that she would also be able to, to help you as parents. See, this is, that's the job that she has. That's the, the guide that she is. So what's so wonderful about this church is that we have a whole bunch of spiritual tourists that show up every week for a guided tour in this journey with Jesus. And our job as your pastors is to make sure the environment is right and the things that you experience here for you to see and discover all of these things that Jesus wants us to have. And your pastor's job is to get in the front of that safari train and make sure that it's headed in the right direction, right? And every week you get to come into church and you get a map. You're handed a map by a very friendly person who smiles at you and welcomes you and, and thanks you for coming to church. And you get one of these map. Uh, you might call it a bulletin. I call it a map. Um, <clears throat> you also might bring in the big map. And you know what I'm talking about, where um, some of you carry a, a hard copy of the big map, and, and some of you have uh, your electronic versions of the big map. I have just about every version you'd want to have of the big map, the Bible, on this phone. And so some of you use the map that's in the pew right there in front of you. That's okay. It doesn't matter. So <clears throat> we're going to go, we're going to go through one particular verse here in just a moment. It's my prayer that you find yourself on that spiritual map. What's the first thing that you have to do when you open up a map? And just by saying open up a map, I am dating myself because nobody opens a map anymore. You Look at your phone, and you, it tells you where you are. So pretend you are at the mall, all right? And you have the map of the mall in front of you, the directory. The first thing you have to do is what? Find out where you are. You, you got to find out exactly where you are. You have to find out where you are located on the map. And you have to figure that out. If you're ever going to figure out where you're going... 
you first have to discover where you are. And so part of today is to figure out that spiritually, right? So I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Again, Ephesians is in the back two-thirds part of the Bible or so. It's after the, the Gospels. And so if you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John... Those are the stories of Jesus. Next is Acts. That's the story of the early church. And then you're going to have all these letters that's written by Paul. And Ephesians is one of those. So if you find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, just go a couple more and you'll run into Ephesians. Ephesians is this letter that was written by Paul. Paul is a guy who has traveled around the region. And he's telling everybody about Jesus. That Jesus is the Messiah. All right, so have you found it? Remember, if you, if you haven't found it, it's okay. There's always a table of contents in the beginning of the book, and you can find it. So Ephesians, find the book, big number one, small number 17. All right, Paul is writing this <clears throat> letter to the church in Ephesus. And Ephesus is where modern-day Turkey would be located, And in this letter, he tells them a prayer that he prays over this church. And so I want you to listen in. Ephesians 1, 17 through 18. Paul says, I keep asking the God, our Father, our God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father. Now here's his prayer. May that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope in which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So let's go back through this. He says, I keep asking, I keep asking that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And Paul is saying here, this is so important. It is so important that I keep asking God for this. I keep coming to him and asking in this. I need people to find themselves on the spiritual map. And and he's saying, Lord, they are trying to get themselves to different places on the map and they don't even know where they are now. And so he prays, Lord, open their eyes spiritually so that they can see themselves, so they can find themselves on this spiritual map. Why? Because Paul is going to go through these three different things that we need to hear and they needed to hear. And if you're taking notes, once you find yourself on the map, you can begin to, number one, hope these sound familiar, know God. Know God. Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, I already know God. I'm already a Christian. I already know who he is. That's not what Paul is saying. He says, I'm praying that God would help you know him better. Better. 
And he used this word here that means knowing God in an intimate and a personal way. And Paul has used this word on purpose because I think religious people at the time didn't think that kind of relationship with God was possible at all. See, they said that nobody really knew God personally. Well, maybe there were, might have been a couple people long ago that might have known him personally, but very few, most don't. And, and they thought that God is aloof and they thought that God is distant and that he ruled maybe from some far off distant place or, or at least he was hidden from the people and the people had no access to him. And they would say, you can't really know God and God, now he doesn't really know you. See, I think that the people of the time would have said that you can know about God but it's impossible to know God. See the difference? Too often we stop with that partial knowledge of God. I think we stop with a head knowledge and we don't move to a heart knowledge. Our knowledge of God needs to move from up here to here. And the Bible says that we can't know God unless we're in a relationship with his son. And until Paul told them this in this letter, some of them would say, well, we, we can't know God personally or intimately. That's impossible. And Paul says, now, wait a second. After Jesus, this is the whole point. After Jesus, you can. It's one of the reasons that he came here to earth so that you could know the father through the son. And once you know the son, you know the Father. So PFN exists to create an environment for you to know Jesus. Number two, the second thing that Paul points out is that we have to know God, but we also have to value ourselves and others. The message version of the Bible puts it this way. He says, Paul says, I ask the God, our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally and your eyes focused and clear. When I was uh, <clears throat> in college, I took a, a microbiology class. And one of the very first things that we did in that uh, microbiology lab was learn how to use our microscope correctly. If we didn't learn how to use it correctly in the beginning of the, of the course, Nothing else would work the rest of the course. And so the microscope has these two mechanisms that you need to get right in order to have anything in focus or to have any clarity at all in what you're looking at. And the first one is the light source. You had to get the light source right. You had to get the right amount of light. Too much light and you'll just drown out what you're looking at. And if it's not enough light, well, then you can't see anything. The second thing that you needed to, to get right and adjust was the lens. And it didn't matter how bright that field was. It didn't matter how, how bright and illuminated anything was if your lens was out of focus. <clears throat> now, obviously, I don't have to go on a big stretch here and tell you that your light source is supposed to be Jesus. 
You need Jesus to illuminate your world so that you can see yourself, so that you can see others the way that he wants you to. And your focus is his word. It's his scriptures. It's impossible for you to see the value of others and yourself unless you are looking through the lens of Jesus. And unless you allow him to adjust your focus. See, God did that when he gave Jesus and Jesus forgave our sins. His lens focused so that we don't see each other or so that he doesn't see us as just a bunch of our our sins and, and bad decisions and poor choices. His lens is focused now in a different way now that we're forgiven so that he sees his son, not our sin. And so the sun, the S-O-N, illuminates our lives. But what we tend to do as humans is we tend to look through the lens of our past. And we look through the lens of our, of our pain and our problems and our hurts. And we might look through the lens of our good days. But then we also look at God through our lens of our bad days and our relationships. See, we're looking through the wrong lens. And why wouldn't we? I mean, it's all we know. Of course we're going to do that. See, it takes time and it takes practice to to look at others through a focused lens of Christ. And Paul said that you need to know God intimately and personally and have this relationship with him. You have to figure out where you are on the map with God and then allow him to take you to where he wants you to go. To get to the place, get to the place where you start to get your heart right. He wants to take you to the place where you start to get your heart healed. He wants to take you to the place where you start working on how you see things around you. Get to the place where you see the world through the compassionate eyes of Jesus. See, our world is illuminated by Jesus and God has focused our lens. And when that happens, then we can finally see value in ourselves and other people. So if you're not seeing yourself, if you're not seeing others the way that God sees you, then pray that God illuminates your life. Pray that you see that person the same way that Jesus sees them. We need to ask God to help us to refocus. So PFN exists to create environments so you begin to see others and yourself the way that he sees you. It's a place where we highly value God's creation in you and others. And Paul said, I just wish I could show you how important this is. He says, I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of of glory to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally so that your eyes are focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. And so if you're taking notes, number three is obviously find your purpose. See, this is a 
super important part of our spiritual map. It's a place where we realize that God has created you on purpose for a purpose. Did you hear that this morning? Maybe you need to hear that. God has created you on purpose for a purpose. You've heard me say that over and over before. You're going to hear me say it again. God has created you on purpose for a purpose. You are not a mistake. Your calling has been created just for you. See, it's a purpose that, that you can't see. It's a purpose that, you, that you're not going to achieve. It's a purpose that you can't even really do until you do those first two things. See, it's virtually impossible to see the plan that God has for you in the future if you're still looking through the lenses of yesterday. You can't do that. You can't see your purpose if your lens is still covered by all the grime and the smudge of sin. You need God to help you clean that off. And and until that happens, your focus is going to be off. Paul says, I wish you might know the hope to which he has called you. The hope to which he has called you. Don't miss that. The hope to which he has called you. That word hope and your calling or your purpose are connected. They're connected. I want you to think about that for a moment. The word hope, the word calling are connected. In other words, if you want to find hope, you're not going to find it circumstantially. You aren't going to find your purpose if you're watching the world. You aren't going to find your purpose by watching CNN or Fox News. It's not going to happen. You won't find it in your hobby, your pastime. Parents, I have to say it, you won't find it in school. They're not here to give you your purpose. Your purpose, your hope is directly connected to knowing why God put you here. He has a purpose for you. And so once you know that, that you're here on purpose for a purpose, that is your source of hope. You remember that old song? Looking for love in all the wrong places. That's my gift to you. That's going through your head through the rest of the service. So it's, uh, that can be said about hope too, can't it? We're looking for hope in all the wrong places. Our hope is connected to our purpose. Our hope isn't connected to our circumstances or what's going right or what's going wrong in our life. The truth is that many people are looking for hope. It's found in them saying, well, I hope my family gets better. Or I hope the weather is nice. Somebody complained how hot it was yesterday. And now, (laughs) I hope we say my job gets better. I hope I get a raise. I hope the car starts this morning. I hope, I hope, I hope. And if, as if our hope has ever been connected to our circumstances, it's not. We all have to, too many problems in our life and not enough solutions to say that's where my hope comes from. So what Paul is saying is that our purpose in life, our hope isn't realized or lost in what's happening around us. It has nothing to do with what's happening around us. 
our calling to hope, our purpose in life is not connected to the circumstances in our life, but it's connected to the one that provided you life. It's connected to God himself. And once we realize our purpose, that purpose in Jesus, then we can find hope. So PFN exists to create environments for people to find their purpose. And then I want you to notice this progression in scripture. It's just like Paul prayed. You aren't gonna be able to do the second one until you do the first. How can we possibly see value in ourselves or in others unless we know God first? But once you do that, when now he can do a powerful work on the inside and then we see people differently. When we know that we are loved by God enough that he sent his son to die in our place and we realize that it's not just us alone, but for every person that has ever walked this earth, whether born or unborn, when we intimately know that love of God, then we can supernaturally place value in someone else because God loves them just as much as he loves us, no matter what they've done. See, when we see value in others, we can start to see how each of us is called according to his purpose. We all have a part to play. None of us is without value. And we all, through Jesus Christ, have the opportunity to deal with our pain and deal with our problems and deal with our hurts in the past so that we can realize you're not supposed to just spend the rest of your life praying about your issues. God never intended you to live in a spiritual silo. We are supposed to get out there with his purpose in doing our life doing something with our life that that matters. And and Paul ends it this way, so that you might know the riches of his glorious, watch this language here, so that you might know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. To realize that you have an inheritance that, is not your own. That you have a glorious inheritance and it's with all of God's people. See, God wants to make sure you're connected to a group of people who also know their purpose. When uh, sociological scientists have discovered or, or studied human beings, they found that humans say their greatest satisfaction in life is found when we know that we have made a difference in this world. Let me ask you, where does that come from? That's only coming from God. That can only come from from God talking to us and helping us to discover our purpose. And we will never do that if we're focused on yesterday. And we can't do that without the help of others and the help of God. 
That's why I love being part of a church. Amen? Are you seeing that? What the world needs to happen will never happen without the church. It will not happen without the church. It was about a year after <clears throat> Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans. I had the opportunity to go down there on a, on a work and witness trip. And I spent a, a week in Biloxi, Mississippi. And the storm surge that had come during Hurricane Katrina had raised the, the gulf. It had raised the water. And we were probably about a quarter of a mile past quarter mile from the shore. And it raised the water so high that the family eventually got up into their attic to escape the water. But the water kept coming. And it reached a, a point to, uh, in time where the teenager in the house had to break a hole in their roof so that the family could climb out onto the roof. And by the time the rescue boats came around, they had about two feet of roof left. Now we came to rebuild that house a year later. And I prayed the entire way down. I said, Lord, I will do anything for you on this trip as long as it isn't drywall mudding. <laughs> you know the Lord laughed when I walked into that house and I saw walls of fresh drywall and not one speck of mud on the seams. So after that, that week, near the end of the week, I got to meet with the family that owned that house that we were fixing up. And I gotta tell you, I was a little confused. I was, I was very overwhelmed with all of it. And I came up to the mom and the family and said, every one of these homes in your neighborhood was destroyed, right? They were all underwater, right? Yes, she said, every house is underwater. And she pointed away from the Gulf. She said, every house for about six blocks that way was all completely underwater. And so I said, well, help me understand this. The need is so great. And most of these homes in the neighborhood have already been rebuilt or been started to be rebuilt. And this is just one neighborhood, just one city block. And, and the whole, from Biloxi all the way to New Orleans was completely destroyed. So help me understand, how did this happen? How did all this work get done? And she said, well, after the, the hurricane, it seemed like the entire world descended upon Biloxi and New Orleans. And, and people were everywhere. And they're helping us clean up. But she said, the only ones that helped us rebuild was the church. The church did all of this. God's people rebuilt our lives. PFN exists to create environments for you to know God, value others, and find your purpose. I just get to be one of the guides. But you get to be one of my guides too. Because we all need each other to get to where we're going. Your church exists 
so the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you for. Within the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. You may look at your life or you may look at Pekin and say, it's dead. It's dying. You may watch the news and say, there is nothing good coming from the south side of Peoria. You may think that Summit is in a dying neighborhood, but God says it's not dead. It's just dormant. And it's waiting for the right people to have purpose in order to help it bloom. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, Jesus, help us to find ourselves this morning on the map. Help us, Lord, to get to know you, to find value in in each other, to see each other just as you see us. And then, Lord, would you help us to figure out our individual purpose. And then, Lord, then, Lord, this church, along with all the other churches that you have planted and and taken care of here in Pekin and in Tazewell County, on the south side of Peoria, in Washington, East Peoria, then we can join the body of Christ to do the work that this world needs. Help us, Lord, to know you value others, and find our purpose. This world is not dead. It's just dormant. Help us, Lord, to bring the living water so that it can bloom once again. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.